fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> Hey, this is Sharks Across Hollywood, and we're doing an impromptu Juneteenth episode, sort of. So I realized as we were watching this that this is only, like, sort of Juneteenth appropriate because it was written and directed by white people and starring a white people, but it introduces us to the first iconic black slasher villain. And in my opinion, the best. If you line up Jason and Freddy and Michael and Candyman. Now, now don't don't misunderstand me. Those movies are iconic, and I absolutely love them. But as I'm watching this this time, they were doing things in this movie that are unlike anybody else. Tony Todd as Candyman, he is shockingly sexy and charismatic and scary and disturbing all at the same time. Like, he manages all of those things. Like, he takes what Freddy was doing and makes it so much more upsetting. He's loaded with charisma, which, don't get me wrong, Jason and Michael, they had a great thing going being completely silent killers. That's That adds an error of mystery and terror. But he was seducing you into liking him. He becomes almost the hero of this story. I had to remind myself at the end <laughs> that he was the villain. Like, he was the bad guy. Have you seen any of the other ones besides the most recent one? Aside, yeah, aside from the 20, what was it, 2020? Aside from that one, no, I have not seen the others. I do have them, but uh, I have not seen them. But here's the, here's the other thing that I'll say. This movie, as a movie, is so much better than those other movies. Halloween broke all the ground in the world. And I'm not trying to take that away from it, but this is a better movie. It's not really hard to be better than the Friday the 13th movies, though. <laughs> yeah, and same thing, but same thing with Nightmare on Elm Street. And Wes Craven's a master, and Nightmare on Elm Street is a great movie. This is a better movie. I did not realize that this was written by a white dude, and I had kind of forgotten that it's so white savory. <laughs> but so when I suggested it, you're right. Like it, 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 it is kind of only a halfway appropriate Juneteenth episode but Tony Todd is so fucking iconic and Tony Todd is the best I fucking love Tony Todd anything he's in and this is the best Tony Todd has ever been oh and this is this is this is why everybody knows Tony Todd too this yeah. is why when he shows up in Final Destination you're like oh it's fucking that guy he was a legend right out the gate the second he shows up in this movie you're like this guy is the greatest like I said he's so fucking good you have to remind yourself that he's the bad guy at the end of the movie did we mention that we're talking about Candyman, by the way? I don't think we even said the movie's name yet. Oh, yeah. It might, it might be worthwhile <laughs> to at least mention it in case they didn't select the episode, but it just came up while they were listening to a slew of our movies that we were doing. Because the last episode, we said that the next episode we were going to do was Visioneers. They might be like, huh, I didn't oh, know yeah. Tony Todd was in Visioneers. But, I never heard of this movie. But we're two white assholes. Oh, yeah. And straight, by the way. Okay, well, there you go. So that helps. But... So, being that this is only, like, Juneteenth adjacent because of the iconic villain of the movie, Tony Todd, the original short story, The Forbidden, is written by a gay man, so they're, we're, we're checking the Pride Month box. Fully supporting the Pride Month category, because I gotta say, Tony Todd was, was definitely uh, doing it for me. You know what? I want to put out a spoiler alert to the listener here, because talking about this, and especially this being a 
Juneteenth episode as half-assed as it may be, we're going to end up talking about the 2021 remake. And so uh, if you haven't seen that, I highly recommend you just stop the podcast here and go watch that first because I would hate to spoil it for you because when I went and saw it, uh, some of the twists and turns it takes were just absolutely delightful and made it one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie of that year. But I like the opening credits. This is one of those times where I'm like, the opening credits are really cool. I'm like, Jordan Peele definitely looked at this and said, I think I'm just going to do that. Well, Jordan Peele didn't he, make the movie. He produced it. No, I know. I, I just meant in general. Because if you oh, if you oh, watch okay. like Us, it's a similar thing. Only oh, it's yeah. rabbits instead of the road. And it's got that weird operatic music playing. Yeah, yeah. And it God, it works. The music in this is so fucking good. And it's like slow panning over the road and it's all kind of like upside downy looking and it just Yeah, it's I mean it it really like you said with you know with the upside downy looking, like it it disorients you and and immediately And it's not even upside down. It's just it just seems weird. Yeah, immediately the the tone of the music and the angles that they're shooting at and stuff make you feel that uncanny sensation, like you're just immediately transported into a world of the unknown, even though everything is otherwise pretty grounded it's in just terms Chicago. of settings. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else weirds me out? They're going from right to left. The camera's panning to the to the left. And that's that's backwards. I know on film technically not, but like it's still I yeah, I mean I get I mean if especially if you go back to the old uh you know, to the old idea of left handedness being being seen as evil and Oh, I know all about it. You know, literally the word sinister means left handed. Oh I know. Do you know so, how I know? I'm left-handed. You're left-handed, yeah. <laughs> so, but 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 that is an interesting thing that I I did not know because I I wasn't left-handed as far as I know. I'm so I don't left-handed. Left-handed. I do. Well, yeah, of course you do. Everybody's like, what about the clumsy stranger? I'm like, I don't want the clumsy stranger because she slips off all the time. Yeah, uh, I, I can't control the. It's clumsy the stranger. it's the wrong rhythm every time. <laughs> you know. Uh, you ever have like an arm injury and you just try with the other hand and. Uh, and and you don't have the muscle coordination because you're 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 not in practice with that hand. Yeah. So your muscle coordination is all off. We're talking about bees. We're talking about bees. a lot That's of true. bees because right after the credits are over, we get a little a short narration by Tony Todd, and he says stuff like, "What's blood for if not for shedding?" And he's gonna cut you from groin to gullet. I'm like, Jesus Christ. He's, and he says it so seductively. That's what's disturbing about it is that he's such a seductive villain. Like, he really is. That's Clive Barker's fault. 100%. But they translated <laughs> it so well from Clive Barker's page to the screen. As far as we know, we don't We don't know. Neither of us have read it. I have to assume, <laughs> though, just knowing Clive, knowing the work of Clive Barker that I have read, that sounds completely on brand for him. By the way, uh, Candyman, the legend, isn't real. Clive Barker made that shit up. But what a great legend. But there is some real shit in the movie, which we'll, we'll, we'll get to. Oh, I'm curious. This is new to me. So let, let's meet Helen real quick, played by Virginia Madsen, who up until this movie, she's like, yeah, I was just there to be pretty and I just kind of wanted to try this. Which she is. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. But she's also bringing the acting. So she's interviewing some girl at a college and this, this girl's telling her about the Candyman myth and how, or telling her a story about people that got murdered by the Candyman and shit or whatever. And it's Ted Raimi trying to be cool and I don't buy it for a single second. 
Ted Raimi as the bad boy. Yeah, n- never. Nope. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought when he showed up on screen. I was like, and and she says that. She says, but she was into the bad boys. And, I, like, and I'm like, fucking Ted, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Never. That's the only thing wrong with nope. this movie is casting Ted Raimi as the bad boy. They, they, they all probably thought it was funny, too. Even Ted's <laughs> like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have almost done better to cast Sam as the bad boy. Oh, dude. Oh, that would have been even funnier, though. Because <laughs> Sam's not even an actor. That would have been great. <laughs> have you seen him in Thou Shalt Not Kill Except? No. He plays a Manson-style cult leader psycho in it. So the story she's telling is about this couple who is getting getting busy, trying to get busy. They're about to get busy. They don't quite get there. Yeah, uh, they're interrupted. They go into the bathroom, and she's like, oh, something about Candyman. You got to say his name five times into the mirror. And Ted says it four times. And she's and like, chickens out. everybody chickens out after four. <laughs> I know I did when it went back in the Bloody Mary days. I think that's closer to what the actual myth was based yeah. on, the Bloody Mary thing. No, it's very, very clearly based on Bloody Mary. But it has such a, of course, you know, Barker being a writer, like he came up with such a great mythology to to tack on to it the whole thing about you know the 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 son of a supposedly tony todd came up with that part oh for the tony todd came up with that well it was it was fantastic because playing it the way he did you know like playing him as a as an affluent sophisticated character yeah made him so much scarier yeah it was like he because he's so Again, it comes back to that seductive thing, you know, like he's so seductive and he's so charming. It just makes him fucking scary. And all the people, all the whiteies he kills deserve it. <laughs> if anything, uh, uh, I I, I kind of wish that it ended with one more killing than it did. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but so the, the story that she's telling goes like this. Uh, Ted, Ted Raimi, he's like, he's trying to get in her pants and she's like, not here. Wait for me downstairs. I have a surprise for you. And then he walks away and she looks in the mirror and says, Candyman, one last time. And then we cut to Ted down on the couch, drinking a beer, smiling, shit eating grin because he's going to get laid. And then we hear her scream and then fucking blood comes pouring through the ceiling. <laughs> It's it's so over the top, but it's it's perfect for the type of story we're being told. And the chick telling the story is like got this sh- uh, this other shit eating grin on her face. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what is a fucking psycho? Yeah, I think she knows it's bullshit. Except it might not be. Because- I mean, she does claim that it was her sister's <laughs> best friend's yeah. brother or sister's best friend's fiance or something who knew them. I can't remember exactly what the connection, but it was one of those yeah. three degrees of separation. She things. knows someone who knows somebody. Uh, blah. So now Helen leaves, leaves that meeting. She's walking down the hall, giggling, smoking a cigarette in the middle of a school. <laughs> oh, the nineties. She goes into another room where her friend Bernadette, they're working on this thesis together. She's talking to this other very douchey looking guy. She's talking to fucking Adam Conover. It looks like, what are you guys talking about? Like serial killers or something? The way he emphasized that, you know, the guy I'm talking about, right? Adam no, runs not- everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. It one. It looks like, <laughs> and yep. sounds like him. It's not him, but it looks like and sounds like him. But yeah, he's talking about another another urban legend that I don't really remember. Yeah, I don't think they got into the specifics. They just kind of closed with the killing, you know, yeah. and that's what she walks in on. After Helen and Bernadette are done talking there, Helen goes to another big Oh, cl- did we did we mention that that's where it kind of they kind of established that Oh yeah, where you know that 
well, we will actually get there here in a second. We're going to okay. talk about her husband. Okay. And, you know, all these kids, the, the kids do seem to kind of, like, know about these weird urban legends and stuff, which will be obvious why in the next scene here when helen goes to this classroom being taught by this douchey guy i i I already hate him the class leaves except for a few other a few students and helen walks down there oh yeah he's teaching about urban legends and Candyman and all that shit i don't remember what he doesn't mention Candyman, but he mentions the um the urban legend about crocodiles in the sewer which is which is a is a great intro because it's one of those ones that we all heard and we all like for a time at least took as fact and there's two movies about it called Alligator and Alligator 2. That's true. I've seen Alligator. I have Alligator 2 downstairs, but I can't I haven't watched watch Alligator it. yet. I did pick up that Shout Factory 4K, though. You want to watch it. I bet the second one's going to be more fun, though. I'm definitely curious, because I know it stars Robert Forrester, and I love him. Because the first one's one of those movies that is, like, kind of a serious, actual horror movie. And I know the second one's just going to be like, they're like, fuck it. This is straight <laughs> to video. It doesn't matter anymore. And it's just going to get weird and be... <laughs> more fun so it turns out that this guy is helen's husband and she walks up to him and he's like hey wife and then they kiss and then the students are there and he introduces a few of the students and then he gets to stacy and she reaches out her hand and shakes shakes helen's hand oh my god the (laughs) the the i'm your competition bitch in this girl's (laughs) eyes is palpable yeah and the second all these students walk away (laughs) helen leans on the desk and goes so what about that Stacy chick, man? <laughs> the only thing I don't like about that there is where she says she couldn't even look me in the eyes and she was blushing like a schoolgirl. She you was know. literally looking right at her. No, she was not just looking right at her. She was challenging her the <laughs> entire time they were there. Like yeah. they should have changed the dialogue because that performance was perfect. That girl's performance in that scene was amazing. She's going to murder her later. The thing is, is like <laughs> this is the scene where immediately like even even if you didn't kind of feel like he was a douche the second you see him which you do obviously because they cast him pretty perfectly but even if that wasn't the case the context clues of what's going on he is a total scumbag because this is where we learn helen and bernadette we learn that they're studying urban legends right right but what we don't learn is that they're doing their thesis on urban legends you know so basically what that what that means is they've only recently you know like it's only been a few years since they were students themselves right she goes into this class that's being taught on the subject she's doing her thesis on and goes down to the professor who is her husband who is clearly 15 to 20 years older than her if he's a day he was definitely her professor and (laughs) fucked her i didn't even think about that he was definitely her professor fucked her so she has every reason to suspect and then this girl gives her the fuck you bitch eyes the second she's introduced as his wife she has every reason to suspect this girl and it's not the girl i mean really she has every reason to suspect her husband so it turns out that her husband is giving this giving this lecture on urban legends and he wasn't supposed to start that for another week or so so they could get honest answers out of all these kids that he's pumping this information into for their thesis and then you know and then his answer is just well what do you expect me to do put my entire curriculum on hold fuck you dude she's your wife it's the the least you can do is adjust your curriculum by two weeks oh yeah his name is trevor by the way we'll, we'll so we'll so right there 
<laughs> we'll, we'll talk about him later. Uh, <laughs> we're going to move on, and Helen is in another classroom, like, just listening to the recordings that she got about the Candyman story, and then a cleaning lady comes in, and she hears the word Candyman on the recording, and she's like, oh, you're learning about Candyman, huh? You're, you're doing a thing on that? And she's like, yeah, what can you tell me about it? And then she kind of says, well, not me, not much, but my friend. She's, she specifically says, my friend knows stuff because she lives in Cabrini Green, which is a real place that we can talk about in a little bit. And then she pops her head out the door and goes, hey, this lady wants to talk to you. And I'm like, your friend is just the other janitor, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But <laughs> it's a little con- it's a little hyper convenient yeah. at this point. But OK, it drives the story forward, keeps it moving. Yeah. The fine, movie whatever. never <laughs> lags as a result. So I'm OK with it. This is the true story. Partially. They're talking about Ruthie Jean, this lady who got murdered at Cabrini Green. I, I think it was actually at Cabrini Green in real life. Uh, oh, really? Oh, oh, that was a true story. I'm not entirely sure if it was at Cabrini Green, but it was definitely in Chicago. It happened very similarly to this. She didn't get gutted. She got shot. But it was someone came in through the bathroom <laughs> Yeah, because of an architectural, yes, architecturally lazy design. She's like, they're coming. She basically said she called the cops. They're coming through the walls and nobody came. Because they thought she was crazy. Yeah. Unfucking believable. And it's all pretty much the same, except in the movie, she's gutted with the hook, and, you know, in real life, she got shot. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea that yeah. was based on a true story. What the fuck? That's awful. Oh, no. That's terrifying. <laughs> has, has Rachel watched this? Yeah, she that watched, is her phobia right there. She, <laughs> yeah, she watched it with me this morning. So after, you know, <laughs> Helen learns about that and then apparently there's a lot of other shit going on at this place. She goes and starts looking at old newspapers and shit and there's Ruthie Jean and there's this other murder and there's 20 some unsolved murders in this one several block radius Cabrini Green place. Then she goes home and Bernadette comes over because they're working on the thing together and she's in this nice swanky like what do you call those things? Condo. Condo. Thank you. And she's looking at she shows well the first thing it cuts to is Bernadette going that's disgusting. What the fuck? Because she's showing her a picture of Ruthie Jean in the fucking newspaper. 80s media man. So Helen is show, showing Bernadette these these two newspaper articles. Each have a picture of Cabrini Green, quote. And she's like, well, look at this one. This is Cabrini Green. And this look at this one. This is not Cabrini Green, but it looks exactly like it, right? Do you know what building this is? This is the building we're in right now. She talks about how it was originally built as a housing project. And then they eventually turned it into these fancy condos because of not being able to separate the haves from the have-nots, essentially, and in yeah. this case, the black people from the white people. Yeah, basically, the actual Cabrini Green had the highway to cut it off from suburban yes. whitedom, and this one didn't, so they were like, okay, well, let's go high-end condos then. And my guess is the original intention wasn't, hey, black people over here, white people over here. It's poor people over here and white people over here. <laughs> <laughs> because they're just, you know. The intention might have been black people over here. I want to believe that it's not, but people are fucking awful. So. You want to, but you got to remember that that eastern northern racism was actually way deeper in a lot of ways. I know. You know, God it's like, it. <laughs> have, have you read Lovecraft Country? There's a line in that audiobook, because I listen to the audiobook too, where the dude, because there's this dude, one of the main characters has a book about safe places for black people to travel this is in the 60s oh yeah yeah you know and he gets pulled over by a cop in illinois if i recall correctly oh yeah, and he's talking about sundown yeah sundown towns and yeah. stuff like that or sunset towns and he he says oh you know he the the cop takes a look at the book he's like well i guess i don't have to tell you you know if you're from around here or something then i don't have to tell you that there's nowhere to stop here just keep driving. Yeah, I do remember that. And I'm like, that's not real. And I Google it. And sure enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nope, that, that's real. 
that northern racism was Whoa. deep and dark, man. It like, was some evil shit. See, like right now, was I, I say was like it's in the past. It fucking <laughs> right? still is. It's more nefarious now. It's less like we'll kill you if you come here, and it's more something else because that I'm not smart enough to. It's more articulate. like it's more like we've taken over all the institutions that give you any control over your life, and we're just going to make sure that you're impoverished forever. In the South, they have the Klan, and that's fucked up. But in the North, <laughs> they have white lawmakers making all these laws under the guise of you know protecting the youth and and maintaining the nuclear family and all this shit and it's all just writing these laws that are so much more destructive makes you proud to be an american doesn't it it's so fucking it's so fucked up and of course you know places like illinois and stuff or that that's just one fraction of it we got that shit here in washington too i'm not trying to let us off the hook so like i said helen's building was built as as a housing project so the floor plan should be very similar to cabrini green she talks she talks to bernadette about what happened to ruthie jean and how they how they how the dude came in through the walls and they went out through the fucking bathroom like cabinets and shit so she takes her into her bathroom and takes down her cabinet and then she's like look this is all that's separating it she knocks on the cabinet on the other side she pushes it in bernadette's like what the fuck dude somebody could be on the toilet and she's like it's fine it's vacant so there's just a whole empty apartment you can see right to the front door it's actually really creepy my ocd which i don't have bad i know what you're gonna say and it bugged me too yeah she (laughs) never puts that cabinet back in place and so all i could picture was three to six months down the line someone is showing that place and they come in and the fucking medicine cabinet is just on the floor and then they sneak into her apartment and kill her they don't but you know that's like the people showing the house yeah the people showing the house they, they have secret serial killer tendencies yeah but they don't tell anybody about it and There's... so they they sneak in and and these are new tenants now because remember like by the end of this movie they're no longer in that apartment so oh no it's they new they're not tenants. in the apartment but somebody is somebody in the... yeah i know who it is it's trevor and his fucking new girlfriend well, actually, no, it's not because no, it's not. <laughs> Trevor never mind. And the new girlfriend are gone by that point. Oh, and that's not exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking you never see them put the fucking put their cabinet back up when they start looking in the mirror, going Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Oh no, I was fine with that because I, <laughs> you know, I, I like that's just editing for brevity, and I'm fine with that. It's that they never replace the cabinet on the other side, so they just leave that open as an invitation. Hey, try breaking yep. in through here. But I also thought about that too. That's kind of they do put the mirror back up, I guess, and then she they say, you know, can you want to do the Candyman thing and then they do it and they get to four and Bernadette's like no thank you and then of course Helen's like Candyman in like a real mocking sort of way she clearly you know is yeah she like you said mocking that that's a that's a perfect word she's not I don't need to clarify that unlike my inclination to fucking do so because you (laughs) already said it perfectly and it's just superfluous at this point it's bedtime and I think Helen's starting to feel it already I don't know for some reason because she said the Candyman thing maybe she's a little bit like freaked out or maybe she's just freaked out because there could be a killer on the other side of her fucking mirror i'll tell you what she's doing the thing she's doing the thing like we all do at some point in our lives i know i've done it where you pretend to be above that kind of shit but then it gets dark out and you're alone and you suddenly realize you're not above that kind of shit but you're denying it to yourself i'm above the supernatural guy coming out of the walls i however am not above the not supernatural guy coming through my door and fucking murdering me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, and that's that is yeah. what she confronted you know, or is confronting as a concept is that this woman, you know, I mean, people blamed Candyman for the murders. But the fact of the matter is someone very easily could have come through the wall and just murdered this lady. And we do have the physical embodiment of Candyman here later, a physical person who calls himself Candyman. Yes. 
That's true. We, well, but she hasn't gotten to that point. No, I'm, yeah, I'm just yeah. talking about where she's at right yeah. now. But, you know, where she's at right now is exactly what you were saying, where yeah. she's above the supernatural thing, but she is not above someone coming through that fucking medicine cabinet. We get a fucking fake out jump scare when her husband jumps on the bed. Wah! And she's like, oh, my God. And he was totally out fucking somebody because oh, it's 100%. late. Oh, yeah. 100%. Jesus. It's I say not somebody like it's fucking like it's not. Yeah we, yeah, we already know who this we met her. And then the next morning, I assume it's the next morning. Let's just pretend it is Helen and Bernadette. They're going to go to Cabrini Green and Bernadette's like, uh, she's got like pepper spray and all sorts of shit in her purse. And Helen's like, dude, what's gonna, with the arsenal? Yeah. Bernadette. It's going to be fine. She's like, they look like cops. And I'm like, never seen cops look like that. Well, they look more like social workers. <laughs> I was going to say, just just because you're like dressed like people, you look like cops now. I mean, they could be parole officers, I guess. I guess. I do I do like that they get there. They they shot at the real Cabrini Green. They used Ballsy move. Very. They used actual gang members. Really? Like the, a lot of those people down on down on the ground. Those were actual those locals. Were legit people from Cabrini Green that they paid to be in the movie. And apparently the entire shoot went smoothly until like the last day and a bullet went through the production truck and they're like, Holy "Let's get the shit. fuck out of here." <laughs> That is yeah. that is nuts. So they thought they'd be kind of cool. They 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 thought they'd be nice. Give these kids a job for a, for a little while and get them, give them some movie. money and stuff. Yeah, and then everything went well until that last bit. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Cabrini Green obviously today does not exist anymore, and which is part of what the Candyman requel deals with okay i couldn't remember if that was yeah yeah i mean gentrification was is basically the theme of that movie which this movie you know i mean this movie kind of this is like planted the seeds for I was it say, it's pre-gentrification <laughs> well this is pre- it's pre-gentrification but it's got such a white savior narrative to it that like the new candy man was kind of redeeming the mythology from that like it like it even though the mythology was written by a white guy and it was made into this awesome movie by a white guy. It was like, you know, it, it was the first black slasher killer. You know, the, the black, the first black. He Well, he's a supernatural killer, so I don't like calling him a slasher At villain. least that I know of. Yeah, I'm not saying that there yeah. weren't any before that, but but he's the first one that hit the popular lexicon. And, and the most like, iconic still. He hit, it, he hit it as big as Jason and Freddy and Michael. He was that big. Candyman, once the Candyman got made, it was that big. And he's only got four movies. Yeah. Well, technically, he's only got three because he like, he's like in a flash in the new one. And that's it. Again, spoiler alert. No, that's okay. We, <laughs> we gave him the spoiler alert earlier. If they're still on board, it's on them. But yeah, I mean, he... he for the long for the longest time, he only had three movies, and and two and three weren't even that well regarded. But that first one is so Candyman is so fucking good that it put him on the level with Freddy and Jason and Michael and uh, later uh, Ghostface. Yeah, he's less obnoxious than Freddy. Yeah, he's not as he's not as fun as Freddy either. You know, like Freddy Freddy's fun and playful, and Candyman like Candyman genuinely. I don't know which is scarier though: somebody who's like giggling while they're cutting you up, or somebody who like who's like fucking you with that hook. <laughs> yeah, it's both kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah, per, for me personally, uh, as a child, I found Freddy scarier, but as an adult, I find Candyman scarier. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not scared of either of them because they're not fucking real. I know they're not real. That's not the point. <laughs> so these two ladies get get to Cabrini Green, and they're about to go in this building, and they're immediately getting harassed by these dudes, just catcalling them and calling them, like, hey, are you cops, you cops? And she's like, no, dude, we're fine. We're just going to go inside. And they're like, but fucking get the fuck out of here. And then 
They start going upstairs and they're like, hey, the 5-0 is here. <laughs> and they're just yelling upstairs. Uh, it's, it's really fun. They walk up the stairs. We see sweets to the sweet graffitied on the walls that'll come back later and it's that- a recurring uh it's a recurring theme clearly the modern candy man is is building his own mythology yes and in doing so fucking freaking everybody out for the for the real candy man but then that'll also Which again, we'll get to. Yeah. so the two of them get to an apartment where get to the apartment where ruthie jane was murdered ruthie jane ruthie jean and it's just open nobody's lived in there i guess since it happened it looks like it's gone to a horrific level of mold Either that or somebody came in and painted it with, I mean, obviously it's a set, but you yeah. know, I mean like in the mythology of the world, this, this place is looking fucked up. Was this actually shot at Cabrini Green? These interiors? Were I, they shot there I don't, I don't know. I know the exterior definitely was. I'm not sure if the interior was though. Well, anyway, this apartment is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so it she goes they both go in there against Bernadette's better judgment, of course. And and it is in fact identical to her apartment. Like the lines of sight and everything, it's all the yep. same. So she's like, "Well, that means we're going to go to the bathroom. We're going to take this mirror off. We're going to Oh, look. Look, there just happens to be a giant hole in the wall back here, and I'm going to go ahead and climb through it." And Bernadette again's like, "No." Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Do you have a death wish? And and nope, nope. Helen's just got that white girl confidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Bernadette's like, you've got five minutes. And, 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 and uh, Helen has a camera and she keeps taking pictures of everything. And she runs out of film at the worst fucking time because she's taking pictures of all this shit. Then she comes out of this mural of Candyman and she comes out of its mouth and she t- right before she gets in there, she the film starts rewinding film cameras kids yeah they don't say what happened so it's a little funny because i was thinking you know modern kids might not realize what just happened there yeah oh yeah shit she doesn't say shit i'm out of film no she just it just go it goes and she yep. goes ah shit I'm like we get it because we're old yeah like we know what happened <laughs> but young kids might not have any fucking clue what just happened uh yeah so she's and she sees this this fucking mural it's really creepy in there and then there's just this this pile of candy laid around, which we... With, with fucking razor with blades razor and shit blades. stuffed into it. So it's like mythology within mythology. Oh, my yeah. God. Guys, that was a myth. Also, it's an urban legend. Don't worry. Your kid's candy is not going to be poisoned or razor bladed. It, no, more, well, it most did likely. happen, but it, it was done by a relative. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you don't you don't have to worry about your probably kids trick-or-treating. Yeah. I mean, did, check their candy anyway. It's, it's for the best, but... You know, and you get to skim the good stuff. I was gonna say you only check their candies; so you can have stuff. Helen pokes her head back out of the out of the fucking thing and scares Bernadette, and <laughs> she just aggressively. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Helen is they're setting her up as a decent person, I think. Yeah, uh, because she's like, I need more film. I need to go back, and Bernadette's like, No, let's go, please. And she's like, Okay. I'm like, wait, no pushback? Nothing? You're just going to go because your friend is freaked out, so you're just going to go with her? Yeah, Fine. Helen, Helen's, not, Helen's not a bad person or anything. Fine, she just, Fine. be nice. She's just a bitch. little over cocky. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, at, when they were walking up and down the hallway, there was a lady who just opened her door with this big fucking dog and just scared these two chicks as they're walking. And she comes in again with her dog to be like, what are you, what are you bitches doing? I know you don't belong here. And she points to Helen <laughs> because Bernadette, Bernadette's black, by the way. Oh yeah. Uh, if we, I don't think we mentioned that. No, did we? she's black, but, and she's literally pointing at Helen and going like, you don't belong here, which I appreciate. And Helen's like, yeah, no, I know we, we just have a few questions to ask you and, and, and we'll leave you alone. So 
Then her baby starts crying. She's like, my baby's crying. Come on. They go into her apartment that's all graffitied and fucked up looking on the outside. But you get in there and it's just like a normal, nice looking apartment. However, (laughs) as Helen mentioned when she was showing Bernadette that her apartment was basically a an upgraded version of the apartments in Cabrini Green. No plaster on the walls. It's just raw cinder blocks with paint on them. And this lady, her name is Anne-Marie, I believe. Something I think like that. so, yeah. She has, she has a baby whose name is Anthony, who becomes very important about, you know, uh, 30 years from now. <laughs> Seriously, I... When I when I realized that's what they were doing, just again, you know, like I I would hate to fucking spoil that for anybody. No, uh, I really need to watch it again. I only watched it that one time in the theater. I only watched it the one time too, but man, it fucking stuck with me. So they're, they're in her apartment, and she's like, you know, whites don't usually come here unless they're basically unless they're causing problems. And fair enough, very fair enough. And sure enough, you she's know. fucking causing problems. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, and then you know, eventually, eventually, they convince her that they're not there to you know cause any shit or do anything and she's like you know i'm sorry for being rude but that that this is just the kind of shit that happens and i'm like i will say the one thing that i really like about this movie in terms of because like i said it it does have a very white savior narrative to it but it also is a subversion of the white savior narrative because literally there would be nothing to save anybody from if it wasn't for the fact that she came here in the first place that she had to stick her nose and go and go digging into other people's business for her academic success yeah yeah she kind of fucks the whole thing up doesn't she yeah literally this woman's dog getting butchered later on entirely her fault (laughs) i mean okay yes the candy man is the one who is doing it who is doing it but if she had never come around here if she had just done everything academically read the papers and shit like that listened to the black woman at the beginning of the movie who said we should not be doing this this is a bad idea if she'd listened to her (laughs) Yep. Everybody who died would have survived. It's my understanding that Candyman only fucks with people when people start to forget about him. I mean, that's that's the narrative that we get laid out. And and her crusade to demythologize the Candyman ends up causing all the deaths that end up resulting. Now, granted, she does end up putting away the new Candyman for assault. Okay, so he went away for, what, maximum three years? He didn't even do that. Was it three to five for for? aggravated assault well he's black and he assaulted a white woman so yeah so he'll get the maximum but he won't do it because of prison overcrowding but he's black but so. he, he won't do it <laughs> but he's black in the early 90s in chicago i'm not saying he won't get the maximum he will definitely get the maximum life like, in prison for hitting a woman <laughs> and making her not pretty for a couple of weeks don't get now this guy 100 deserves to be in jail. oh yeah he's a piece of shit he's obviously done some shit no, he he's a, he's a straight up murderer. But in the eyes of the law, like like they, they if they're putting him away for aggravated assault, yeah, they'll give him the maximum. But he, you know, that's three to five. Meanwhile, all these other people are dead. Anne Marie also talks about how she heard Ruthie screaming and she called the cops, and they wouldn't come because everybody's afraid to come here. Like they did it. They should fucking. <laughs> oh my god. And yes, she, but again, you got you got to remember that um, law enforcement isn't there to actually assist people because of the laws being <laughs> broken. They're there to enforce laws that protect the elite, rich, no, meaning mostly white citizenry. That's what law enforcement exists for. There's no all bad. that other stuff is bonus material. There's no bad cops. Nope. 
No, nope. definitely never been, especially in Chicago, especially <laughs> not in Chicago. So Anne Marie is also very scared of Candyman. She's like, she's like, I'm really scared. He can come right through those walls. She she means it. She th- she thinks it's legit. But then immediately after she says that, we cut to these people that I hate. Oh my god, I hate these fucking people. I hate these people in life. I hate them in this movie. These pseudo intellectual <laughs> dickheads. <laughs> All sitting around a table at some upscale bistro. Oh my god, yes. This this the cut from the one scene to the other scene is so perfectly jarring. And these fucking douchebags. Oh my god. And they are such douchebags immediately. Yeah, and Bernadette and, and Helen are just sitting there. They're smoking inside, by the way. And Yeah. Because it was 1991 when and, you could do that. And you're right, Helen is super cocky. She's like, We're gonna bury you to guy this with guy a who's terrible haircut. Yeah, to this guy who he's he's like a professor of uh, he's he's another professor of yeah like urban uh, legend urban legend or whatever. He wrote a paper on the Candyman ten years ago, and, and he fucking loves rubbing that in her oh, face yeah. as soon as she mentions she's doing something on the candy. Oh, he's such a prick. And he throws out the history of the Candyman legend and how good candy, way to introduce it. Though. Yeah, yeah, Candyman was a was the son of a slave who got rich by inventing a machine that mass produced shoes after the Civil War. Yeah, Civil War. And then eventually, you know, shit happens. He has to go do something for this white family. He falls him and him and the daughter. He was a portrait artist. Oh, a portrait artist. Who That's was right. highly sought after for portraits cataloging your wealth and success. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing pretty well for himself painting rich people. But he fell in love with this one dude's daughter. She got pregnant. They can't be having that shit. Uh-uh. So they murder no. him and well, they beat the shit out of him, take off his clothes, cover him in honey and let the bees have at him. And he got stung to death. Probably allergic. He's like Macaulay Culkin. So after that scene, Helen goes back and take finally gets pictures of that mural. How she managed to sneak into this place undetected is beyond me. I wouldn't go there alone. I wouldn't go there at Fuck all. no. So she goes to see Anne-Marie again, and there's this little kid sitting out there. We meet Jake. She asks him about Ruthie Jean, because Anne-Marie is not, not in right now. And, and Jake tells her so. Yeah, she, she's not there. He doesn't know nothing about no Ruthie Jean. This little kid has some cool attitude. I like him. He says, I know Candyman. And she promises to keep whatever he tells her a secret. And she's a fucking liar. Yep. Immediately. And it, the only thing I will say is the only reason Jake didn't know that was because he's like, what, six? Yeah, he's a, he's a very young kid. Uh, so he takes her to this like public restroom that's in the middle of Cabrini Green or the off to the side. fucking shadiest looking public restroom I've ever seen. So the story goes that a little kid, a young kid, I don't know how old he was, uh, got murdered in there. And he was a special needs child and his mom was just kind of getting annoyed with him, screaming and yelling at the grocery store that's across the street. And as she's checking out, she could hear him scream. And it turns out that Candyman had reached up and reached out from the toilet and ripped this kid's dick off. And (laughs) (laughs) they don't say it that way. They try and be a little more tactful, but that's definitely the legend. Yeah, that that's what happened because the little kid's like, and he he was just laying on the floor in a pool in a pool of blood, holding himself, and you don't see where his hands go, but you see his like shoulders hunch over just a little bit. You know he's like grabbing his balls. Yeah, and <laughs> and he and his crotch is fucking yeah. blood drenched. And then they're like, they found it in the toilet, just floating there. <laughs> that's so fucked up. And then the way Jake says it is like, can't fix that. Oh yeah, <laughs> better off dead. <laughs> and they actually show this kid writhing in pain on the oh god dude it's, it's pretty fucked up and it's a young kid too like this this yeah. movie's not afraid to this kid looks like he's maybe 11 yeah not afraid to do awful things this movie 
because it gets fucking worse. I don't really care about kids. So then Helen goes into the bathroom and apparently it smells real, real bad because she goes in there, covers her mouth immediately. She starts. She's like dry. <laughs> like, oh. uh, she starts like opening the, th- there's three stalls in there. She starts kicking them open. Both the first two toilets are like broken and fucked it up. It looks looking. like someone took a sledgehammer to them. It does. It looks like, you know, when you're playing the last of us, it looks like every bathroom you see in that game. <laughs> There you go. And the sweets to the sweet is graffitied in there as well. In what looks like shit. It literally looks like someone smeared the words sweets to the sweet on the walls in shit. And not a little shit. We're talking pounds of shit. It's it's pretty bold and big. Yep. Yeah. You can tell that it's thick on the wall. Once she gets to the third stall, <laughs> there's like this arrow pointing down to the toilet. And the toilet's not broken. It's fine. She opens it up. Bees, right? Loaded with bees. Yep, just bees. That freaks her out naturally. That would scare the shit out of me because it's so unnatural. Yeah, why are they living in a fucking toilet? And then Jake's waiting outside and he's just like staring at the bathroom. And then we see this figure kind of enter into frame. Jake turns around, looks up and goes, Candyman. Uh-oh, he's real. Uh-oh, we're in he's trouble. Stuck. Jake can see him. This isn't an illusion. So he goes into the bathroom and he's not Tony Todd. He's this dude in a trench coat and he has a hook, but it's not his hand. It is in his hand like the guy from fucking I Know What You Did Last Summer. And this guy is immediately exuding pimp energy. Oh, yeah. Like, he's scary. I don't want <laughs> I sure. don't want to fight him. And he also has, like, lackeys that come in right behind him. But he's, like, he, he's like doing a bad Billy, Billy D. D. Williams. Yeah. He's doing a bad Billy D. impression, and, he, and he's like, I heard you're looking for Candyman, bitch. <laughs> and then and then he, he doesn't kill her. He just beats the shit out of her with the hook. And Which, then, honestly, uh, she needs to be counting her lucky stars oh, in yeah. that situation. <laughs> Yeah, and Jake finds her, obviously, after those guys leave. And then she's able to pick him out of a lineup. And all these guys have to go, here, you're looking for Candyman, bitch. And none of them are saying it with any enthusiasm. I would be like, cut, do it again. Even he isn't isn't <laughs> saying it with enthusiasm. But, I mean, that checks out. You know, he's not going to say it with the He just the got arrested. He's not happy. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> not going to come up there with the same swagger he walked into that bathroom with. So this guy's clearly not a good person. No, he's definitely so, a piece of shit. So that's good. So she picks him out of the lineup. She leaves the room. Jake is sitting out there in the, in the hallway in, in the at the station, and he's like, "I thought you weren't gonna fucking tell anybody about any of this." And she's like, "No, but we had to, you know. It's a, it's it's good." No, she's like, "Don't worry, you're oh, not gonna yeah. have to testify." Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's like, "Bitch, Candyman's gonna kill me." <laughs> <laughs> but then she says something that basically sets the whole thing in motion that gets everybody fucked up. At least everybody that she knows. She says, "Candyman's not real. He's just like Dracula or Frankenstein." Jake just goes, "Candyman ain't real." Yeah. And then and that's, there you go. that's what set the whole thing in motion right there. Here is the actual inciting incident. Yes. Candyman would have let her slide on the saying his name five times, mm-hmm. but destroying his mythology is unacceptable. Yes. That is the thing that I love about this movie is like that it comes at it from that angle. Like that's a fucking great angle. That's an angle so good. Wes Craven would rip it off years later for Wes Craven's new nightmare. So I assume it's a little while later because... We cut to her house and well, Helen's you know place, whatever. She's cooking dinner and she's happy. She's all happy. Trevor comes home. She hugs him and she's like, I made dinner for you. And he's like, how's the eye? And it's like almost better. It's like red and weird, but it's he not refers, swollen anymore. He refers to her as the invalid. The invalid. Know? So right. <laughs> clearly she's been out of commission for a couple of days, probably because she doesn't want to go out with her eye looking like that. Yep. Understandable, because then people will think Trevor's a bad guy, which he's such a great guy. <laughs> 
But no, she 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 definitely has been staying home for a few days because it's past the yellowing stage to where it's starting to really fade now. He's definitely been fucking somebody else today. Oh my you god, tell. he is so dripping with this other woman's stink. It's not even funny. <laughs> but she doesn't care. She just she's just happy he's home. She's such a good-hearted person. Yep. Like we cut to Helen going back to the university, and she runs. You know, she she greets Bernadette, and she says the one thing that really bugs her about this whole thing was that let's see, what did I say? Uh, that two black people were murdered murdered and nothing happens one white woman gets assaulted and cops basically sweep the whole place fair enough honestly in 1991 to be tackling that that directly and just say this is bullshit yeah i mean things have changed it's still a white savior movie but uh, at least it's got some perspective self-awareness at least a little bit you know the whole white savior thing like White people didn't catch on to how condescending that was for such a long time. Keep in mind, like, into, like, the 2010s and shit, we were still getting those movies. But, but yeah, in 1991, we were all, like, so progressive, so progressive. And it, it, it was for the time. Bernadette then tells Helen that some publishers are interested in, in this story, naturally, after she gets fucking almost murdered at this place. Oh, and uh, uh, Helen's eye is completely healed, so it's clearly... Oh, yeah, it's, it's been a while. Even more days later yes. at this point. Helen Helen gets the pictures from Bernadette that she took, and she's like, oh, shit, I thought the camera was destroyed, and they managed to salvage a bunch of pictures, or all of them, I don't know. Some important shit starts to happen now, so Helen's... You know, they're, they're, they're leaving. Helen's in the parking garage. She's going to her car, right? At about 45 minutes into the movie, we finally get the reveal of Tony Todd as Candyman. He shows up, and he's, like, silhouetted, and he's just this big, imposing presence. Oh, my God. He's a huge dude in real life, too. So He yeah. enters this story, like, with all the grandeur you would expect from a literal legend. I knew who he was before I even saw this movie when I was in high school. Yeah, like, nope. Yeah. I don't think anybody of my generation knew who Tony Todd was before this movie. Because he was I mean, this was the movie that made him a horror legend. Yeah, he he was doing stuff before this, but I think yeah, he wasn't quite on the map yet. I think the Night of the Living Dead remake came out before this, didn't it? It did, nineteen ninety, yeah. Yeah. So he had already done that one. And he was great in that, but you know, it was a it was a movie that could never help but being compared to its predecessor. I mean, you're talking about like one of arguably the most groundbreaking horror movie of all time. Like there's an argument to be made that that's the case. I bet I still haven't watched it. You know, you know that I've had it for years on that Criterion Blu-ray, but I have not Dude, watched it. It's such a good fucking movie. It is an amazing goddamn movie. So she's immediately in some kind of a trance when she sees this dude. Supposedly, they actually hypnotized her on set. I call bullshit. I think someone was just a little bit of method acting going on. I mean, I, I think hypnosis can work if the subject wants it to. Because, you know, it's like it's like self-hypnosis. I want it to, but it won't work because it's not real. No, I mean, there's <laughs> there's there's evidence to suggest that when the subject is a willing participant and that, that I mean, it's basically self-hypnosis. I'm not saying that hypnosis is magic. You know, it's it's not. But there is something to like if the subject wants to be hypnotized and they and they basically internally are on board with it and believe in it, that they can slip into a hypnotic state that is... I mean, it's self-induced. I'm not saying it's not self-induced, but that's what it is, is like it's the process of taking someone who wants that to happen to them and helping them achieve that state. I would like someone to try it on me and I will keep an op- as open to mind as I possibly can. See, but that's I'm that's the, do it. that's the that's the thing is like if it's an op- as open me. a mind as you possibly can, 
and you don't have the possibility of having an open mind about it. Basically, he comes and tells her, by the way, he's just annoyed that she wasn't satisfied with the stories, so he felt obligated to show himself to her. Or obliged, he said obliged. Yeah, because he always he always uses the proper the proper pronunciations and the proper English. I was obliged. He's an, edu- he's an educated man, yep. remember that. I was obliged to come. He says that a couple times. And he also says, be my victim. I'm like, Jesus, guy, you're creepy. It's so sexual. Stephanie Meyer definitely saw this movie and thought it was the most romantic thing she'd ever seen in her life. <laughs> Probably. I just yeah. had that thought. Oh, Stephanie Meyer would be so sucked in by Candyman. After the that epic little monologue that I didn't write down enough of. Lots of stuff about being obliged to come and being pissed that she didn't believe him believe in him enough so now he has to prove that he exists because he's kind of a bitch well i mean it 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 does it addresses the thing of the idea that which is not unique to this mythology by any stretch of the imagination but the idea that gods and monsters exist because we believe in them and when you cease to believe in them they cease to exist and he doesn't like that shit it's kind of the freddy versus jason plot too yeah that's yeah that's true that's exactly what freddy's whole thing is is that he's He's losing power because nobody believes in him anymore, so he's going to give them a, a nightmare to rekindle their faith. Give us all a nightmare with <laughs> shitty movies. Thanks, Ronnie You It was Ronnie You, right? Yeah. <laughs> After her interaction with the Candyman, we cut to her waking up on a bathroom floor covered in blood. We hear Anne-Marie screaming from the other room. There's so much fucking blood. This is fucked up, and this is the reason where I'm like, guess this, who's guess who's not watching this? I was My children. Say, this is the <laughs> this is the point where you it went too far for you. I knew it as soon as I saw that dog's head. Yep, and boy, is it convincing. No, they did an upsettingly good yeah. job with this sequence in particular. So the dogs, the dog head got cut off and with a cleaver uh -uh. and supposedly Helen did it. Yeah, as far as everybody else knows. Yeah, we know that Helen didn't do it, but Helen is the one holding the cleaver. Yeah, so she has the cleaver and in her hand. covered in fucking blood. Anne Marie is also freaking out. She's screaming, where's my baby, you bitch? Where the fuck is my baby? Because Anthony is also missing. And there's blood all over his crib, his and all over crib the living room. has pool, a pool of blood in the center of it. And then Anne Marie attacks fucking Helen, and Helen has to shove the cleaver in her arm. Completely justified too. <laughs> yeah right I mean, even though even though i get where helen's coming from i'm not against Anne marie on yeah. this one i understand because we know what's going on for real but like she doesn't Anne marie doesn't have yeah. any fucking clue yeah if i if <laughs> i showed up to that scene helen would have to take a cleaver to me too there would be no rational discourse yeah so so helen gets the upper hand in this little fight she gets she gets on top of Anne marie and does, does she hold the cleaver up for like a second yeah i she's basically like calm the fuck down or you know. I'm going to chop your fucking head off. And that's when the cops come in for some reason. Like, they don't come in at all, but then all of a sudden, poof, they're there. Who the fuck called the co- Oh, she called the cops, obviously. But, like, why did they come? It's It's been a few years since the uh, since the Candyman killing. So now, you know. Maybe, uh, well, she probably wasn't saying, oh, my God, there's a woman in my walls. Yeah, she so was like, my was... baby's missing. There's blood everywhere. <laughs> that's a little more plausible. Yeah. And they, they come in. They arrest, they arrest Helen. They subdue Anne-Marie because she's ready to kill Helen because she has the cleaver now. And now Helen's getting processed and the same guy that she talked to about the uh, the not Candyman guy the, de- is, the, detective the detective she talked to is the guy fucking handling 
her stuff. And uh, all semblance of friendliness, because he was being real chummy with her when she was the witness. But now that she's the perp, he is 180 degrees different. Oh, and uh, before she gets into the gets into that room, she's being made to take off all of her clothes and shit. And she's covered in blood and she's oh, crying. It's, yeah, it's an and upsetting scene. There's got to be some symbolism here. Probably. Yeah. Or it's just like, look, side boob. I don't know. I can't tell. <laughs> it's an upsetting scene to watch. It is. Because we know where she's coming from and we we see her the way the cops see her, but we also see her the way we see her. Oh, God. It's it's a hard scene to watch because she, she's really bringing the acting to this one. You know, like, I believe it. My note says she's being made to strip and it's not sexy at all. No. Boo. <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> sexy. And wouldn't you know it when they're like, do you want a lawyer? She's like, I think I want to make a phone call. And she calls her husband. It's three o'clock in it's the morning. It's three in the morning, and he's not there. Bed is empty. Now, she doesn't know that part, but we cut to inside the apartment, and, yeah. the, and their bed is empty. There's no doubt what's yeah. going on. So she leaves a message saying, like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm at this place, and shit. And I think she's also having flashes of where the baby actually is. Like, she's having, like, these weird Yeah, things. she is, but she doesn't say anything, and, and I think it's because she's, she's probably convinced that that's just her imagination. You know, like, she's, she's just trying to think of that you know like she can't stop thinking about the baby because she's horrified at, at what's been done you know <laughs> yeah she's not a bad person helen's not a bad person she's horrified at what's happened she she wants to know what happened to the baby as much as the well not as much as but certainly a lot because the the location <laughs> of that baby is a big fucking deal for where she's at right now oh yeah yep uh because yeah trevor comes and they just let her go they're not charging her for shit, but they're at home. And then the lawyer's like, well, they're not charging you because they want to find a body so they can get you with first degree murder. They're holding out for that for that big charge. And uh, understandably, because given the amount of blood. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> there was a lot of fucking blood in that crib. And, you know, she's she's taking a bath. Trevor Trevor says he's only going to leave for 20 minutes to go get some stuff. But, you know, he's going to be. Yeah, gone Trevor's going to leave that. for 20 minutes to go get something for sure. Yeah. And then she asks him, where were you at 3 a.m. when I called you? And he's like, oh, see, I was here fast asleep, which we know is a lie. Liar. So then Helen goes through some of the pictures, the slides, the slides. She's going through the slides and then she she sees one that really catches her attention and she like does some focusing magic on it and you see the silhouette of the candy man standing right behind her because it's a picture she took in a mirror. Ooh, hey, it was a selfie. Look at that. Selfies before selfies because she was just trying to take a picture of the mirror. And he's behind her. So then she, she doesn't like that. So she goes into the bathroom. She's like, she opens the fucking thing. Does she take a pill or something, or does she just not do anything? Yeah, I'm not sure what her intention was. And you think it's going to be like one of those jump scares where she opens the thing. And she closes and it, she closes and there it, he is there, behind yeah. her in the mirror. Yeah. Uh, no. She opens the thing, <laughs> and then she's like doing something. She kind of like looks back, and then looks back at the mirror, and it's still open at the cabinet, and then fucking the hook hand just pops out right in her face like, just blows right through the back of it and i hear it's coming at her like wow what the fuck uh, yeah and then she runs away and he keeps on telling her to be his victim and shit and then he runs she runs into the hallway and there he's standing there <laughs> at the end of the hallway and then she goes back in the apartment it the camera turns and i think this was all i think it was all done in one shot so I think they actually got a double for him at the end of the hallway. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think when they pull back in and and she's running in and then they pan over and he's standing right fucking behind her. It's such a good, like as a jump scare goes, 
it's not technically a jump scare, but it's so fucking creepy. It's scary, man. Uh, yeah, so she runs back inside, and the Candyman's right behind her, of course. He tells her that he has the child, and that if she offers herself to him, he'll spare the baby. Negligible stakes at this yep. point. So he also tells her that, you know, basically, to sum it up, you made it so people don't believe in me anymore, so they're no longer scared, so you and I have to do something about that. Be my victim. He basically has to scare, he has to, he has to murder her in a horrific way so people will find her and be scared again. Your suffering will be exquisite. Or no, the pain, the pain. will be exquisite. Yeah, Fuck. yeah, there's I more fucked that. it up, I hellraisered it. The pain will be exquisite, of course. Then Bernadette shows up, she's knocking on the door. Helen can't speak right now because, like, she's in a trance, I think, she, or f- in pain because he, like, poked her in the neck with the fucking, with the hook. Yeah, he kind of, he kind of, th- he kind of got her down on the floor in front of the fridge and hooked her from behind like right behind the ear and she's like go go she's trying trying to scream for bernadette to leave so she doesn't get murdered and bernadette's like oh, i'll try the door handle oh it's open walks in there's the candy man and she's dead and you can hear him just ugh, ugh, ugh. i'm like jesus christ guy calm the fuck down <laughs> nope He's so sexual. <laughs> he really is. I couldn't stop thinking that the whole time. Every time he his voice comes out, it's so fucking sexy. And he's doing these murder noises, all sexy. It's like, is he fucking her or is he killing her? Both. At the same time. Oh, God. Yeah. And that's when Trevor comes home just in time to see the aftermath of everything. So Bernadette's body's over here. She's got she had a knife in it, knife in her hand at this point or something to make everybody. Yeah, well, she yeah. had a knife because you know the the shit popped out of the mirror, and so she ran into the kitchen, grabbed Man. a knife. She's actually being arrested now for like real this time. It's pretty mm-hmm. undeniable that she is yeah a psycho. Yeah, she was found in the room with the body with the knife. Oh, and she passes out, and then she wakes up and. It, and she's lying on the bed in handcuffs with the cop sitting right next to her. Yeah, so they're gonna they're 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 gonna take her in. And Candyman will give another monologue about it being better to be talked about and to be a legend rather than actually existing, I guess. Yeah, or something he, like he's, existing he's, in the world. He's pitching this idea of her being his victim and them being basically legends together. You know, and and it's it's interesting because it is again so seductive and he's ruining her life you know he's going around ruining her life basically trying to make sure that that killing herself or allowing herself to be killed is her only way out of this fucked up situation that he's created for her so it's he is very sexy but it's also super manipulative and predatory so i mean again he is a villain he's a bad guy and he admits you know like he he even says like like what does he say? Something like, uh, "What do the good have but the experiences that the bat that the evil have shared with them?" Yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, he does basically say, "Like I'm evil," and yeah, like the idea is that like he like the evil transgressed so that the good can so that there can be meaning to the to being good or something like that. I I don't remember exactly how he puts it. It's but it's it's very manipulative and it's very sexy and it's. And that just makes it so goddamn disturbing. <laughs> and now she's she's not even going to jail at this point. She's they're just taking her to the mental ward. Just shooting her up with Thorazine. Yep. They tie her to the bed. Not sexy. Boo again. <laughs> oh, she's she's so tormented at this point. It oh god. Yeah, it, and now and now Candyman is like floating above her and she's losing it. She's like, You murder her. Ah! And no one can see it. 
no no one can see what's happening so they just think she's fucking nuts and, and she's and she starts screaming for help and 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 as the interns start or, or the the orderlies, orderlies excuse me not interns orderlies start busting through the door she's like he's under the bed because he like yeah you see down, him kind of that it was a he, weird shot she's yeah. like he's under the bed he's under the bed she's she's going fucking nuts they shoot her up in the worst injection scene i've ever seen as in like grossest or no as bad. in laziest this oh. dude this dude grabs the, this the or the guy playing the orderly they pull the shoulder open you know like they kind of pull on the neck hole of her shirt to expose her shoulder he picks up the syringe pokes her with it literally this fast poke done you know and then swabs it with alcohol <laughs> like dude you have to pause to inject for a moment there you can't just poke done that's ridiculous but she's really committing and, and it was a good shot of her so i understand why they kept it i'm just saying that orderly you should have done a take two on that one and these orderlies are fucking awful people, by the way. This guy's a dick. And he doesn't he doesn't die at all, and no. it's upsetting. I said if Jason was here, he'd fuck that dude up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. So they, they roll her. They, after that, they, they're, they're getting her all like put into a wheelchair and tied down to that thing. They roll her into the psychiatrist's office. Uh, so she's been committed. She's like, can I see my husband? And he's like, yeah, we can arrange a visit. And she's like, what? Am I being committed? And he's like, yeah, well, so the, over the last month, she's like, I've been here for a month. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally, it's like, she's, it's like they rolled her in, shot her up. She went to sleep, woke up. They're putting her in a wheelchair. She's going to see the psychiatrist. Yeah, it's literally like a minute in yeah. the movie. I mean, you know, with editing, you assume, like, okay, she just woke up. Yep. But no, she's been in there for a whole fucking month. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I didn't do it. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. So there's a mirror in the office. And I, I, the psychiatrist is so fucking smug. He's like, oh, good. Yeah, do it. It's like, yeah, go for it. Uh, then she says, Candyman, five times, as you do. And, and then the psychiatrist is like, mm-hmm, not impressive, <laughs> and, then, and then what happens? Blood just starts <laughs> Spraying out of his fucking stomach. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then Candyman pops up behind him and does that thing again where he's like, ugh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> and then he sets her free. Yeah, he, cut, he cuts her straps open. Well, he doesn't really cut them open. He just kind of like pulls them open with the fucking hook. But that's, that's another part of what makes the subversion of the white savior thing kind of interesting. Because she came in to be the white savior. And then she's being set up to be a psychopath. It's like they're they're deliberately subverting the white savior storyline. But then the ending kind of fucks that up. Because then a she little. literally because becomes a yeah. like literal white savior in the end. So he cuts her restraints. Helen is going to climb out the window. But he fucking like exits dramatically backwards through the window. Breaking it. So... He fucking yeah. explodes out the window. It's beautiful. <laughs> and then she climbs out the window, makes her way to another window, knocks on it, and then the nurse or orderly or whoever it is, she opens it. She's like, what the fuck? She opens it. Helen tackles her, knocks her out, takes her clothes, so that way she can sneak out. Shit, you know what? Backtracking just a moment to where he blows out the window backwards. Yes. Michael Bay reused that in The Rock. Oh, God, did he? <laughs> Tony Todd was in The Rock. Oh, really? Yes. I've never was... seen The Rock, so I don't oh, know. Oh, really? No, he's one of these military guys who's taken over Alcatraz, right? Spoiler alerts for The Rock, all right? I didn't spoiler alert you for The Rock. If you haven't seen The Rock, this is a tiny spoiler. Okay. Tiny. You know his character is going to die because he's one of the bad guys. But, uh, yeah, Tony Todd is is facing down Nicolas Cage, right? And there's this rocket that they've set, that these guys have set up on this, on, on Alcatraz, right? Now, Nicolas Cage has taken 
the chemical warfare payload off of the rocket already and tony todd is like circ they're circling each other around the rocket and cage says something like he says something like well this reminds me of an elton john song and tony todd's <laughs> like well i don't listen to that weak ass shit cage goes it's you you're the rocket man and then he hits the button on the rocket and it and it stabs into tony todd's chest and blows him out the fucking window backwards just like Candyman. I fucking love it. <laughs> I I, I want to see the whole movie just for that. And uh, one of the two Michael Bay movies that's in the Criterion Collection. What the fuck? Is it? Is it? Yes. Does it? Is it still in print? Uh, no, I think The Rock is out of print. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I probably would have bought that by now if I, if it was still. But, but it is in the Criterion Collection. And you can find copies of it used. They're probably a little more pricey than copies of Armageddon used. But uh, And it only ever got released on DVD, you know, yeah. like they didn't do the Blu-ray version for Criterion. So. so she sneaks out, right? She makes it out and then she goes home. She walks into her apartment and it's <laughs> fucking pink. And she's like, what the fuck is this? And then she sees Tracy, the college girl from the beginning of the movie, fucking sitting up on a ladder painting shit. And she's like, what the hell are you doing in my house? And Tracy's like, oh, fuck. And her reaction's really weird. I thought she was kind of giggling at first, but she's not. She's crying. Well, yeah, keep in mind, Tracy thinks this woman murdered her best friend <laughs> with a yep. butcher knife. Yep. Michael Myers style. <laughs> And now she's been caught in their apartment <laughs> with her husband, whom she is fucking. She has a legitimate reason to oh, think yeah. Helen oh, is no. going to carve her up. And then then uh, Trevor comes out of the room and he's like, oh, hey, blah, blah, blah. what are you doing here? And it's been a month and he's already moved this chick in because he thought that his wife was never getting out of jail or the mental hospital or whatever. Her first question is, what were you going to wait until I got out to tell me? And then she, and then it dawns on her. <laughs> oh, you didn't think I was ever going to get out, did you? Oh, my God. You piece of shit. Yeah, this guy's fucking awful. And she doesn't do anything, which no. blew my mind. That's because she's was, a decent human being. I was like, wow, if ever there was a time to invoke the Candyman. Until she's not a human being anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. And then Candyman, you know, he, there, there's a little, little, another little monologue where he says, they will all abandon you. All you have left is my desire for you. He did that shit on purpose. This is an abusive relationship, oh, and it's, it's not good. Oh, it's such an abusive relationship. It's, it's so manipulative. And it's so fucked yeah, up. I think she's a little depressed. She's like, yeah, fuck it. Here I come, Candyman, because she doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have a best friend anymore. I mean, I can see where she's coming from because he did say, I will spare the baby yes. if you give yourself to me. So she has, there is something she can do that will, will have some meaning there. But I'm glad that in the end she kind of breaks free. Again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, though. Being that she's clearly uh, depressed and has nothing to do because this this abusive man took her, took everything away from her. Oh, she's literally standing at the edge of a bridge. She is dangling over the abyss by a fucking thread. I love that line from that movie. It's called Employee of the Month, not the one with Dane Cook. Uh, I've not seen it. I've it's, seen the Dane Cook one. I'm very sorry to say. Yeah, uh, it's got Matt Dillon in it and Christina Applegate and Steve Zahn. And well, I like all of them. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a pretty funny movie about his character fucking just losing his mind and having the worst day of his life. Some twists and turns and some very funny lines. One guy asks him, "How are you doing? How are you doing?" And he's like, "I am hanging over the abyss by a fucking thread, Kenny." And he says it really really happy like. And Been there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she goes back to Cabrini Green now because, like, she fucking she has nothing left. So she's she's gonna go offer herself to Candyman so she can save that fucking baby. I guess Candyman is taking a nap though because she gets into the into that little room, the big room, I guess, and he's just laying there and he's breathing real heavy. 
She found a hook, by the way. She has a hook in her hand. This will this is important. He's fully aware of her, though. Oh, yeah. He's got to be. I mean, he, there's literally a moment where his eyes snap open, but he continues to lie there and let her stab him with the hook. <laughs> yes. So she, she has the hook. She stabs him with the hook, and he's like, he, he wakes up. Hey, what's up? Although it's more like, hey, what's up? He's all excited. He's got a huge boner. She came to him, and he's like, let's fuck, even though. He's like, know. let's fuck with bees. Uh, and she's in another trance now because that's just the effect that this dude has on people. Yeah, yeah, I get it. She came to him, so she'll so he'll spare the baby. This is where he says the pain will be explicit, explicit, no, exquisite. Sorry, exquisite, <laughs> explicit. <laughs> Let me guess, autocorrect? Nope, I'm just dumb and I misread it. <laughs> and the bees. Okay, so Virginia Madsen is allergic to bees. Really? Yes. So apparently, like every time they did this sequence, they had to have. An ambulance standing by, and she's like, that made me feel comfortable. Oh, my God. That's fucking scary. Okay, and that had to add to her performance, because she is so clearly terrified. Yes. During so, apparently what they did is they added this, they put this pheromone on her, they dabbed it, so she, so that they think she was the queen, so she wouldn't, so they wouldn't hurt her. That's mildly terrifying, though, because that's going to attract bees. Yes. Well, it's got to. Yeah. Oh, it's God, 1991, that's... 92. You can't do CGI that good. You can do it now. And yeah, it'd be nowadays fine. <laughs> you could. But no, I mean, well, and then there's the scene with Tony Todd and the fucking bees coming out his mouth. That's... And he got, he had it written into his contract that he'd get a thousand dollar bonus for every sting. Twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> wow. Seriously? Something like that, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we got stung 20 times. Now, these bees, they had an apiary on set and they had a guy who, sure. was, who was breeding them and apparently bees don't become like poisonous and stingy until like 24 hours so they were these new baby bees that looked like normal bees uh-huh. but obviously you're probably gonna you're gonna get at least a few yeah that are ready to go twenty thousand dollars worth yeah apparently. <laughs> that's so fucked up and they're real it's real and I'm yeah just, it's all ooh. real he's got these bees crawling out of his mouth you can see it's him cgi was not that good at this time no and it looks it looks amazing. It's fucking awesome. And like much respect to these fucking crazy people. Oh my <laughs> just, God. Just doing insanely irresponsible things for the sake of admittedly a, a fantastic horror movie, a horror movie, which, yeah. which at the time, especially was viewed as like the lowest of low art. Yeah, No shit. Like it was one step above pornography. Horror seems to ebb and flow. It's like in the thirties, it was this high art thing. And then in the forties and fifties, it was like sci-fi garbage. It was dumb. And in the sixties, you know, hammer came around and they're like, all right, we can pretend like we're, it's cool again. And then in the seventies, the exorcist. So that's, so suddenly it was breaking some new ground. But then in the eighties, just slasher crap and nobody liked it again. And suddenly, yeah, by the, by the time 1990 rolled around, horror was in such a, such a doldrums nobody expected to see like a, a revolutionary new horror movie you know that was that was really going to shake things up and be of impressive quality keep in mind horror is horror is so disrespected <laughs> that the year hellraiser came out it did not get a nomination for best special effects you know how many nominations were given that year three they didn't they specifically did not nominate hellraiser because it was a horror movie, even though they could have nominated another movie. That's real dumb. And yeah, horror didn't start getting taken seriously again until Scream. And that was only for like a minute until everybody started making Scream clones. Exactly. And then I don't think horror got respected again until pretty recently. Actually. Well, Blair Witch. Aside from, yeah, aside from there, there's a few. But Blair Witch, yeah. again, it, like Blair Witch wasn't respected. Blair Witch was impressive because yeah. it was the first time they'd used an online viral marketing campaign. And it made like 
it was it was like a twenty dollar to make movie. So but they, Hollywood did not respect <laughs> that. Hollywood respected the, the revenue. Money. Yeah, yeah. In terms of in terms of the filmmaking, the craft of filmmaking. Yeah, I, um, what would be the next? I I think the uh, the J horror movement would be the first time after that that horror movies actually started getting respect again. And the Blair Witch Project is way scarier, especially when you think of the the fan theories about them actually being there to murder that girl. Yeah. Which it, it, which makes it way cooler to me. Yeah, there there's some great stuff. I mean, the Blair Witch Project was a was a great movie, and it, it spawned a a really compelling franchise. Because even even part two is an, is a very interesting movie. Too bad we'll never see the director's cut that was intended. Yeah, that's a bit of a bummer. But there is a fan edit out there that that attempted to restore the director's cut. We're digressing again. Yes, we are. Suffice to say, these people did all took all <laughs> these stupid risks for a movie that was never going to be respected by the mainstream culture and it wasn't it it was it was treated basically just the same as another jason or freddy movie had come along she wakes up again sometime later and i'm pretty sure that candy man is going to try and go back on the deal they made he's just going to take he's going to take her and the baby and kill Mm -hmm. them all he wants to solidify the legend and when she wakes up she gets up starts walking around and on the wall is graffitied it was always you helen and it looks like there's like a mural painted and there's a picture of her i think walking with him like some depiction of him on the mural and then she hears the baby crying and it's coming from this this uh bonfire setup that they have that jake pointed out earlier and it's just all the shit that they're gonna burn yeah they're doing it for some kind of party that's coming up or something yeah some kind of party i know what it is what devil's night it's a cult this is a Candyman cult oh could be he does say something about the congregation too <laughs> yeah he, do- he does he, he, he basically refers to the people who believe in his legend as his congregation and she has the hook still by the way so she's running to this to this thing and she's digging around in there trying to find an opening and this, she, this giant mountain yes, of detritus okay. that they're going to turn into a bonfire and jake looks outside just in time to see the hook go through he doesn't see her he just sees the hook go into this thing he says Candyman's here and that's when everybody from the building just starts pouring out onto the parking lot wherever this bonfire is going to happen <laughs> there are these huge empty spaces between the buildings like like gigantic empty spaces like there was supposed to be something there but there's not like when they were urban planning this area there was supposed to be extra stuff going there but nothing did and it just turned into a wasteland it's so fucking desolate or maybe it was a parking lot but they're like Haha, why do we build the parking lot they're too poor to have cars yeah basically this is a very cult-like wicker man sort of thing oh yeah sort of they want that like they're they're all these people are like let's go kill candy man that's why it's this that's why i think it's like it's very cult-like because they all come walking out they light the thing on fire they they pour gas on it they set it ablaze and fucking they don't know that helen's in there they don't know that the baby's in there although the baby never stops crying i think Anne marie might know that the baby's in there she might have an inclination i don't know they keep cutting back to her through the fire and it looks like her and helen are making eye contact yeah but i i don't know whether that was intentional in terms of the idea that she knew the baby was in there or not. So Helen's inside this thing. She finds the baby. She finds Candyman. And they're going to burn together. And he's all excited about it. He's like restraining her. She's trying to get out with the baby. And he's he's not letting her go. Until she, she finds this burning stake and stabs him with it. She manages to get out of this thing. Well, she crawls underneath this burning yeah oh, like, man. like it's a it's beam a... It's, it's really thick but it's burning and she crawls underneath it and it breaks from the burn and falls right on her and just starts burning her back and her hair lights on fire yeah. and everything so she is on fire and somehow this baby is just completely fine well 
it hit her on the back. She's face down. The baby's under her, and she's like, yeah, no combat crawling out. I see that, but like that baby's dead. Smoke inhalation, bugging. It's definitely hot in there. Okay, realistically, <laughs> yeah, but you know, this is a, this is a movie. I know. Damn it. I'm just I'm just splitting hairs, being a fuck. I'm being you. No. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. She makes it out, and the baby makes it out, and she's on fire, and everybody runs and fucking pats her down with blankets, putting out the fire. Anne Marie grabs the baby. Yeah, and- she kind of she kind of hands it off. I mean, this is this is such white safety. Oh, it is so much. <laughs> like it's so frustrating to watch it in retrospect. At the time, you're like, this is amazing. You know, she's such a hero. In retrospect, it's like, ooh, a little cringy there, guys. Uh, just a little bit. Uh, so Helen looks all fucked up. Yeah, her hair's gone. She's all she's all burnt and shit. She is she's dead. Then we cut to her funeral. And her fucking husband, the <laughs> brass cojones on this guy to bring his mistress to her funeral. What the fuck, How right? tasteless. Jesus, what a dick. I'm sure those two pretentious friends of his would be like, where, where is she, man? You should bring her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you definitely get the idea that these guys are all these, you know, just hopelessly self-involved dickholes. And now there's going to be a Helen cult. Yeah, because here comes the Cabrini residents. And it, it is cult like because they're walking like in line together. And oh yeah, it's like a par- it's like a parade yeah. of these of these people just walking down. And Amory is walking at the front holding her baby, and then Jake is right next to her. And they walk up to her to her to graveside there, and he pulls out the hook, not the hook that she had, Candy but the hook that was attached to Candyman with the nails and everything. So that that means that Candyman was legitimately real. And Jake actually saw the corpse burning. Yeah. In the in the in the bonfire. He might have been the only one, but yeah. he definitely saw it. Yeah, for, for a long time, like throughout the whole movie before they like revealed who that kid was in, in the new one, I thought it was that kid. Yeah, I kinda had I kinda had the thought that it might be him too. Like I knew it had to be one of them. But like I mean there's literally the scene that's why that's why watching this after having seen that, it takes on a whole new layer because there's literally the scene where Candyman picks up the baby and says, You're mine now. He's <laughs> yeah. talking to Helen. But that's what he. But he says oh, it while shit. he picks up the baby. That's fucking creepy. Oh man. So yeah, they all come. They they drop the fucking thing in there. Trevor says nothing. He's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know these people. He's never met them. It, it, it'd be creepy, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be terrifying oh. the way they walk in silently. One hundred percent. I am paying people to do that at my funeral. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> I'm not telling anybody else. <laughs> That'd be so cool. If I'm there, I'm going to I'm gonna have to work really hard not to laugh my ass off. It'll be, everybody will be sad and you'll just be like, what the fuck? <laughs> he did it. He really did it. I can't believe it. How much did this cost? They have to throw like something really weird and freaky in there. Like not they something. They have to silently walk in yes. as a group, single file or, or, or in a line like that. Just walk up to the coffin, toss something in and then file right it back out be, no words spoken no, it can't be anything relevant to my life like nope. it, can't, it can't be like guitar stuff or music or comic books or anything it can't be any of that it's kind like, of shit it's like a sledgehammer or something like that or <laughs> just something fucking weird a rusty hook if you get if you donate ten dollars to our patreon i will put you on a list for my funeral and i will <laughs> fucking end myself right now just to make that happen don't end yourself yet 
We gotta finish the episode first. Yeah. So then we cut to after the funeral, after that very fucking creepy funeral procession there. Uh, we cut to Trevor, and he's at home in the bathroom. He's sitting there, and he's kind of like, oh, he's just kind of reflecting, I think. And then you have Stacy out there going like, hey, do you want me to make you dinner? Me and my nipples are ready to make you dinner. <laughs> Which are so fucking prominent in yeah. this scene. No, I mean, realistically, you know... Trevor's grief is completely believable because no, yeah, it's, it's not like it's not like he hated her or something like that. You know, he was he was a piece of shit. He was cheating on her. And when she got put away, he was just like, well, you know, let's let's make wine out of these grapes, you sour grapes, you know. And uh, <laughs> but then, of course, her total lack of understanding of that also makes sense, given that she's like, what, 21 years old? If that. If that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a trophy wife. Not smart. And she's fucking irritated that he is having any emotions at all. Can you tell? Oh, she's so she's so immediately over it. Just. She, he's like, I'll be out in a minute. And she's, she's like, fucking, she slices a chunk of fat off the steak she's making and just fucking throws, throws it. it over her shoulder. Like, fucking. But that was right, right before she does that. She's like, you want to help me with the salad? He's like, yeah, I'll be right there. And she's like, he's crying over that bitch. <laughs> you know, she's thinking like, fuck her. Oh, God, Shit, man. It's, if my ex-wife dies, I'm going to cry. You guys don't hate each other, though. No, we don't hate yeah. each other. They didn't hate each no. other. No. Well, he didn't hate her. I'm sure she didn't hate him either. That's why everything's, that's why what happens next happens, because she's just she mad at him. She yeah. was hurt. He does get up. He's crying, right? He gets up. He looks into the mirror, and he's just, like, saying her name. It, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like, oh, Helen, 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 you know, Helen. And I was, I'm like counting on my fingers. Right. Does he say it five times? Sure enough, on the fifth time, he's like, <laughs> and then the lightningy stuff, and then she appears, you know, head all scarred and fucked up looking, and she looks at him and goes, "What's the matter? Something scary to you or something?" I can't remember the line, but yeah, something. And then like that. she has the hook in her hand, and you hear all the squelching, bloody noises, groin to gullet, groin to gullet, and then. Stacy hears it. She goes in there, and he's just fucking disemboweled in the bathtub. I w- in my in actually, I wish it was a little more gory. Honestly, I mean it's it's decently <laughs> gory. It's not as gory as it could be. No, but it's it, it's it, it's fucked up. But her hair's gonna turn white now because that's what happens to people who see. Probably, yep. yeah. Yeah, no, she's she's definitely going to need therapy after this. And then the credits roll over this mural of Helen that's painted in that little thing. <laughs> In that room. <laughs> the ultimate white savior close, closing shot. Very like she's much. painted like a fucking angel, but on fire. Yeah. She's yeah, got, she's got a literal halo of fire. I don't want to read a whole bunch of these one-star reviews because we want to get the fuck out of here. Well, you got to get the fuck out of here. I got to get out of here in a reasonable time frame. Oh, fuck, yeah. I want to read this one real quick. Okay. Because this this is coming from somebody who is obvious, who this movie was obviously not for, but then maybe it was because he doesn't. he's not really making any sense. It's, All right, let's hear it. It's from December 5th, 1999. Disturbing, eerie, and unnecessary. Again, the first two. Duh. That was the point, yeah. I know a great deal of horror fans consider this movie to be one of the bests, comma, but <laughs> on the scale in which The Exorcist, The Haunting, and Psycho are measured, Candyman doesn't even make a mark. The sets are amazing, but the plot is far-reaching, the acting is forced, the gory scenes go overboard, and the overuse of characters think sinks this film before it even has a chance i try not to hate individual films because of the art form's young and tender age but it's pretty hard not to hate this one i hated the plot the gory sequences the flashbacks and the characters not to mention that the ground in which this movie walks on is tainted with the -the run-of-the-mill nightmare on elm street slasher garbage i profess to my friends who agree with me that this was one of the most unnecessary movies ever made if you were looking for something scary this terrible movie will scare you 
you and suck away two hours of your life as well. So that's wrong. It's only an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> this fucking guy. Okay, first off, he invokes the haunting. You can just suck my asshole right there. Is he talking about the original or the remake, though? The original isn't called The Haunting. The original is called The Haunting of Hill House, isn't it? No, The Haunting of Hill House is the Netflix show. No, I'm pretty sure the original movie is also called The Haunting of Hill House, isn't it? The Haunting of Hill House is that Netflix show that has nothing to do no, with I The know, Haunting. I know that, but <laughs> what I mean is the original adaptation of Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House, I, I thought was titled The Haunting of Hill House. Well, The Haunting of Hill House is the drama miniseries. That's all that comes up for that. The Haunting is just the 1963 film. Oh, okay. All right. Well, he may be invoking the 1963 one. It's adapted from The Haunting of Hill House. Yes, I know that. Okay. I But I thought the original was called The Haunting of Hill House. I, I, I must have been mistaken. Okay. All right. If he was invoking the 63 one, I cannot comment on that because I haven't <laughs> seen that. But if he was invoking the Steven Spielberg one... Go fuck yourself. That was a piece of shit. Now, don't get me wrong. If you enjoy that movie, God bless you. Go have fun with it. (laughs) But don't try and come over here shitting on Candyman saying that movie's any good. (laughs) I agree with him. I agree with him on Psycho. And uh, what was the other one he said? Uh, The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Which, again, doesn't make any sense if he doesn't like gory shit. I mean, The Exorcist is pretty fucking graphic in a lot of those scenes, you know? And it's more like just gross. Yeah, it's really gross. This guy screams pretentious douchebag he's like yeah it'll scare you and it'll disturb you okay i'm you know that's what i want out of this movie that's literally what horror movies are supposed to do (laughs) you dick if it's not for you it's not for you dude but the fact that that all of his friends agree with him yeah this is one of those guys this is the guy i'll tell you why he didn't like it he didn't like it because he identified himself with the husband and his buddy that's why that uh, that's what i was just gonna say him and his friends are those fucking pretentious yes douches uh yeah anyways there's felt attacked (laughs) there's more one star reviews that are actually kind of funny and maybe i'll post some when we actually post this that would be a good Um, idea (laughs) but until then i think what are your final thoughts on this nonsense oh this this is top drawer man i enjoyed the hell out of this i'm so glad i threw down for that arrow 4k there's a part of me that wants to go out and get the shout factory 4k as well oh arrow has one too okay yeah arrow arrow uk released, i was gonna correct uh, you and <laughs> no arrow arrow uk released the 4k and then in the u.s shout factory released the 4k and they have pretty much the same special features but i think there's one special feature on each of them that's a little different i like this movie it's 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 scary they it don't re- they don't really make movies like this anymore no matter how hard they try like some i don't know uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say well they don't make movies like this the but, the, uh, the big horror movies that are coming out that people are talking about how scary and great they are aren't very good to me i just don't like them i didn't like smile very much i don't oh, like i disagree with you completely on that i i, I just didn't i it, it got talked up too much and i'm like it's okay i love kyle gallner in it have you seen the boogeyman yet i have not seen the boogeyman yet i i recommend it you know it's not it's not top notch but it's damn good but i liked antlers i liked antlers too i think it's a body a horror lot of thing didn't i don't know why i like body horror nonsense yeah and i thought brightburn was good even though nobody liked that i love brightburn <laughs> and and obviously whatever jordan peele does i'll probably like just by default because i'm a fucking simp piece of shit well i mean you are right though in that movies like this don't really get made anymore no. Um, and if they do, they're like smile and they're not as good. I, I just don't think movies like this get made anymore because <laughs> the, the medium has evolved. You know, like like we're in a different era now Yeah, where you can't make a movie like this. What about the blackening? I'm very 
I'm I plan on being there opening day for the blackening. I want to see that really bad. It looks me too hilarious. But it was directed by Tim Story, and he did the fir- the first two Fantastic Four movies. And I'm a little skeptical. Mm, yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> fair. I didn't realize that was the director. I've only seen the preview. I, I I didn't know that he directed it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they led with from the director of the Fantastic Four and Fantastic <laughs> Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yeah. We can argue about that later. <laughs> and uh, probably will. But yeah, good movie. Go watch it. And then there's only four movies in this franchise, so... At least yeah. watch this one and the 2021. Yep, it does that thing that modern series, modern franchises like to do where they ignore everything that came after the first one yep. in favor of a of a new sequel, requel thing. And because I gave you the spoiler alert, when I went into the new Candyman, I did not know it was a requel. I thought it was a remake. I knew it was like a sequel thing. I, I had no that. idea. And so... And they don't really let you on to that until about three quarters of the way through the movie. Yeah, yeah, I don't, they don't, like, he doesn't even have a name or something for a while, right? Or he changed his name or something? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think he changed his name or something like, and, and I think he's like kind of like in denial of his past, like he doesn't want people to know where he's, I, I can't remember for sure. I only saw it the one time, but as I said, I just ordered the 4K copy, like I had to get on my phone, like as soon as I stopped watching this and like, I got to get that movie. I got to rewatch it. Yeah, I need to check it out again. And uh, so that's on its way now. <laughs> so, so so I will be watching that very soon in the future. Yeah, just watch. Just watch all four of them. It's eight hours out of your life. Just do it. Not even. I think the <laughs> I, I think they're all under two hours. Seven hours out of your life. Six I, and a half. The the requel might be over two hours. That's because that's barely. that's the new thing. Your horror movie's got to be over two hours now. Uh, social media. Follow us on everything at the Shark Pod. Patreon.com slash Hollywood. Give us your money. We'll talk about other people getting killed on there a lot, among yeah, other things. Yeah, a lot of people get killed, uh, especially <laughs> if you go back to the Shaolin Temple episode. Good Lord, yeah. The whole temple gets killed. Yep. It fucking rules, man. Death is awesome. <laughs> Says the pacifist. Patreon.com slash Hollywood. Go give us your money. I'm not I'm not going to tease anything that's coming next week because I'm not entirely sure what we're doing now because I forgot and it's, it, it's a big thing. This was a very spur of the moment episode because we're shitty fucking activists, I guess. <laughs> we're terrible at planning this stuff. Sorry, we're trying to be better. So we'll be back in a couple weeks with something and it'll be awesome. Yeah, I mean, it always is if it's us. And you'll know when we do. But until then, stay jawsome.